Support for the Big O Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement today for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. On today's podcast, I am joined by Fahim the Dream Francis, and we talk a little bit about the Toronto Raptors season fizzling, potential relocation for the Oakland A's, and we also talk about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on in Green Bay. Welcome back for another episode of the Big O Podcast. I am your host, Julian Ortiz, and today's guest is one of my brothers in the podcasting world, loving husband and father, one half of the Good Rookies Podcast, and a guy who may need an agent after dabbling in some on-screen NBA TV content. Please welcome Fahim the Dream. Francis Fahim, how are you doing today? Oh, I like the intro. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> No, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. I have had uh, maybe four episodes that for whatever reason have not seen the light of day, whether it's connection issues, whether it's downloading issues. And you're now recording a, I think it's like fifth episode and only two have actually aired. You've right. been a part of three of them that have not seen the light of day, Right. but we're doing it again. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun topics, but have you experienced any challenges other than maybe having your daughter on your lap during your Donovan Bennett episode of any issues when it comes to recording and not being able to put forward any episodes? Mm, not putting forward any episodes no actually once but the episode technically didn't happen well we were supposed to have a guest okay. on we we're supposed to have a guest on and a guest like hit us back said yeah i'm excited i'll be there and we we're waiting at our recording time half an hour goes by an hour goes by hit the person back no answer so we recorded um that went out and then the person hit us back two days later and said oh <laughs> You know, sorry about that. Uh, we're like, okay. So we said we're rescheduled. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, they set up another date a week later, and recording time comes half an hour. After at half an hour, we said, okay, you know what? This person's not coming. I don't know what they're <laughs> doing. So we recorded, and it actually did go out. But yeah, that, that's that was not. That's the the biggest odd situation I've had in the podcast. I mean, it's good that you have a partner, right? Like you and Nelly J can do it together. So if you don't have someone come in and bail out the last second, you can at least still put some content forward. True. I remember one experience of mine. I had a guest and 10 minutes before, you know, we'd been talking for like weeks, days, the morning before, 10 minutes before the podcast was supposed to record. He hit me back and he was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I actually can't do this and gave me no reason as to why and it was like it was probably the most devastated i've ever been because i was looking forward to speaking with the guest i invested a lot of time right. into this guest more so than i probably have any other person mm -hmm. and then to just get like told at the last second uh by the way i can't do it and then get no reason as to why was definitely one of the most hurtful things and i'm not going to put him on blast he's right, right. a fairly important person at least his brother is and he shares the same last name but i mean what were you feeling when not just once but two times you had that guest bail on you would you ever consider having that guest come back for a third try or is it kind of like fool me one shame on me 
fooled me once, shame on you. Like, what what are your yeah. thoughts? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was definitely, even after actually, so like you said, I work with a partner, Nelly J. It's my co-host. Shout out to Nelly J. Uh, after the first time, she was a little bitter because she had spoken to that person that morning, right? Right. So, and then she uh, apparently through text had got to the person maybe about two hours before record time. So when they didn't show up the first time, she was the one. Actually, I more had to convince her to say, you know what? Something could have happened. Let's give this person another shot, you know? Um, but after the second time, I was like, okay, well, I don't even want. Yeah. Bitter, you know, it just comes <laughs> down to, it does come down to just a respect thing, you know? For sure. Um, and everyone has their reasons, but it's not that hard. If you don't want to do the podcast, simply say so, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten rejection letters, people saying straight up or their publicist saying it's not something that we're interested in doing. You know, if they say check back with me, of course, I'm going to check back with you. Right. right. But like you're putting that out there. If you don't want right. to do it, just say I'm good. Thank you for the offer. My feelings aren't going to be hurt. I'm just someone trying to have a conversation. You don't want to do it. That's totally, totally fine. But right. I find I agree with you. It's a respect thing. Why? If you know you're going to bail. Or even if something comes up, there's still something about sending a text message. I, I have this conversation with my wife all of the time. If she is going somewhere and she says, I'm going to be home by X amount of time. Like I'm going to be home at nine o'clock and it's nine o'clock and I haven't heard from you. I have an expectation that you're going to say, hey, something came up. I'm a little bit delayed, but I will be home soon or I am still wherever I am. It's just a respect thing. I do the same thing with her. If you're not going to communicate that, then you're just showing that my time is more valuable than yours, meaning I am more important than you are. And in some cases, that's not the case, but in their mind it is. And right. it's unfortunate. Do you ever run into you know, things like this with your lovely significant other, which I'm going to talk about briefly in just a second? Uh, no. Uh, when I'm like the same deal in regards to usually we're good in regards to communication. Uh, if we're running late, that's fine. Um, yeah, if, if I'm out, you know, I'll give her texts. We actually communicate pretty regularly. So if something was off, she would she would know and vice versa. So nothing. Now, speaking of your amazing, lovely partner, uh, <laughs> prior to recording, there was some fun dramatics that oh, went on. You're going to put me on blast right now. <laughs> to get you ready. And it, it, it's funny because you started with, you know, every time I want to watch TV, the remote goes missing. And I can't say that I can blame my young daughter, but it's somebody else that always loses mm -hmm. the TV. Really putting the spotlight on your lovely lady. And then we're like three minutes before recording and your lighting is all jacked up. And who do you call but your lovely wife to come in, swoop in, and save the day? Not that she's going to listen to the Big O podcast, but is there something that you want to tell her right now? Get off your chest and, you know, make things right. Well, I want to say, you know what? Um, all jokes aside, I do this to my wife all the time. Uh, she's a good sport about it. She gives it back, so we're good. Um, but I do want to say, you know what? Like, uh, shout out to my wife. Shout out to your wife also. Uh, you know, um, you're going through a very special time right now. I'll say that. Indeed. So, um, but yeah, my wife, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, my wife knows she's special <laughs> and uh, she actually makes things tick with our podcast because we record at night. Our daughter goes to bed. Maybe we usually record in the evenings when we record daughter goes to bed and my wife really does everything within her power to make sure that 
the setting is right for the podcast to happen. If she wasn't here, I don't know how we would be able to with the young daughter. So shout out to my wife. She's special. Yeah. Listen, I get it. I mean, my wife, the exact same thing, cut from the same cloth. She knows I'm putting the kids to bed. I'm usually doing dinner time for them too. And if it's late at night, I'll, I'll do the bath. But when it comes to like post 930, give daddy like an hour, hour and a half to do his thing. We, you know, yield his magic and know that if something goes wrong, yeah. as soon as I'm done, I'm putting on the Superman cape and I'm taking care of it. My wife, the same thing though, loses the remote all of the time, but she blames the young kids for it. I secretly know it's her. I, yeah. I, she's not, she's not fooling me at any time, especially when it's always like underneath her and no, no disrespect to my wife. She's pregnant. We are having, by the time this airs, we will be, you know, a couple days away from having our third uh, child enter this world, you know, shout out to moms everywhere. I mean, your wife went through it at the beginning of COVID. You know, you guys had, you know, I don't want to say a COVID baby, but I mean, during the era of COVID, what was what was that like? You know, obviously we're we're coming hopefully on the other end of things, but what was it like in the beginning of COVID where no one really knew what was going on and how did you find adjusting to all of the major changes that were going on in the world around you? Mm. Well, I could say for the first... I kind of felt like when our daughter was born, April 1st. So that's really around the time where uh, we were actually in the Western uh, side here, just really embracing the fact that like this COVID thing is not just an overseas thing. Like it's, you know, right. it's affecting us. So um, a lot of things in regards to uh, even being there, there's a protocol. I didn't know it's the first time being a father where, you know, um, the amount of people that can actually be there when your child's being delivered. They weren't, it was kind of up in the air in regards to, well, are we allowing extra people in there? Are we not allowing people? So it's kind of like a makeshift thing. I happened to be there when my daughter was born. Uh, but I'd say it definitely was an adjustment. Uh, her being born at that time, uh, you know, lockdowns going through this is kind of a unique situation also because uh, due to lockdown, it, it, it's been unfortunate, but it kind of has been, it worked well for us because of the fact that it gave us a lot of time to be at home with our daughter. Um, when, if COVID didn't happen, perhaps the situation might've been different where I would have been out working and doing other things, right? So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because on the other side, you know, I've had two daughters pre-COVID. So we were fairly familiar with what the routine might have been. But now due to COVID, obviously things have changed. I can be there for the birth. I'm only allowed to leave the hospital once for the day so I can go home and then come back. I can't have anybody change up with me, which is what we did with our second daughter mm -hmm. because we needed someone to look after uh, our, our, our oldest one. So now our kids are going to be away from both parents for three days having surgery Monday, coming home on Wednesday afternoon slash evening. Um, so for three days, you know, they're going to see dad for maybe an hour every other day, but no mom for three days. And that for me is a little bit concerning, you know, having kids who are attached to parents, our youngest daughter, very attached to my wife. And to the point where if she goes outside to like my backyard, she will begin to cry because she's like, why didn't you take me with you? Mm -hmm. So we're very concerned over the attachment issues that are coming with that. And, what COVID measures are changing when it comes to the birth of our third child. It's a scary time. It's a scary mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. and, but 
fun nonetheless obviously still an exciting time uh definitely looking forward to the challenges what what would you say the number one lesson you learned uh in your first year of being a parent number one wow um, <laughs> a lot it's it's hard to pinpoint one um one thing so being a parent i've really learned um well Patience is one for sure. Right. Definitely. Um, also, I, I'm prioritizing, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I was, it was me and my wife. So it was just us. And now it's just like, well, things perhaps that we want to do that we otherwise would do that we can't do now. Right. We have responsibilities. So, um, yeah, it's a learning experience. Every day is something new, especially at this age right now. She just turned one. So uh, very for de developmental, a lot of things at that age were like the baby that I see this morning is a lot different <laughs> than the one I saw last month, four weeks ago. There's things yeah. that she's doing now that she wasn't doing uh, four weeks ago. So um, it's an exciting time, definitely. 100%. Listen, I gotta, I've let this go on long enough. Um, <laughs> I need you to do me a favor yep. and just back up off the camera for like two seconds and show everybody what you're wearing right now. Oh, and for, so. for my listeners, for people who are listening, Fahim, the dream Francis is rocking his Toronto Raptor sweatshirt. That's right. And I want to, I want to talk That's about this because during one of the unaired episodes of the Big O podcast featuring Nelly J and Fahim the Dream, Francis, we talked about what we thought was going to happen with the Toronto Raptors going into this season. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about was where were the Raptors going to finish? What were the Raptors season going to look like? Where were they going to finish? How deep were they going to be? And I believe you and I erred on the side of caution and reality believe Nelly J said that they were still going to be a top four team. Yep. I believe you had them in the top eight. And I think I was on the fence about, you know, looking at the way the East got better in the off season and look at all of the subtractions for the Toronto Raptors. It was easy to see how they could be fighting for a playoff spot. Well, lo and behold, the Raptors have been eliminated from the 2021 NBA playoffs. They weren't even deep enough to make it into a play-in game situation. As a Raptor fan, you know, what are your thoughts on the Raptors season? Wow, you you're you're really laying that on really thick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got no to, I got to. Hell no punches back. Um <laughs> my thoughts on the season. So, uh, I do think so I stand by what I think. I do I remember saying that uh we over previous years we were a top 4 team uh in the East. Going into the season, I kind of thought we were in the bottom half, uh, four to eight, preferably like or like six to seven is what I think I thought, like right. six to seven. I still think that we're, we're a six to seven team if, and I'm going to throw this back to you, uh, health really hurt the Raptors probably more than any team in the league. Um, is there any team that you could think of that had – more different starting lineups, more key guys gone for the amount of time than Toronto Raptors in the league. I'll give you one team. Okay. And I've always, I've always been, I've been a big proponent of this team and, and 
you'll know it once I say it. Mm-hmm. The new the uh, I almost said New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets right. I mean, if if you look at you know James Harden who comes in during the season and he's mm-hmm. been out with injury and, and Kevin Durant misses a, a stretch of games right. with his hamstring and and Kyrie either through injury or through just taking time off to disappear and do his own thing and get mentally healthy. You know the Brooklyn Nets. When it comes to who who needs or who values health more for the success of their team, it's the Toronto Raptors. Yes, Toronto Raptors didn't have games to give away because if Toronto ended up in like an eighth seed, no one's gonna say, "Hey, they just need to get to the playoffs and they're gonna shock the world." Right. With the new with the New Jersey Nets with the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, you know, Kevin Durant is gonna win you a game in a seven game series. James Harden can win it for you. You know, Kyrie can win you a game. Boom, right there, you've won three games, and the other guys don't even need to really show up. You know, then you add in the Blake Griffins, and at one point the LaMarcus Aldridges, and then all of the key guys on that team, Shamit, uh, Joe Harris, all of those guys. And you can say, okay, this is going to be a formidable opponent to go up. It's going to be a beast for anyone outside of Philly to take these guys down. Toronto Raptors' health crushed them, but it's not the most important factor as to why they didn't make the playoffs. It's very, for anybody who follows the NBA, they will know Toronto had to play their games in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. So they had zero, really zero home games in front of an amazing fan base or even a place that they call home. And I think that partnered with their health challenges, um, especially when they lost a lot of their key players for that three, four game stretch post all-star break. Um, I think that's really what did them in. They went down without. They went down with a fight, and they were trying. Other than Kyrie Lowry, Kyle Lowry getting you know sat as a healthy scratch in his in his last game, which I thought was interesting. Um, definitely a lot of things to look at for the Toronto Raptors. I thought they would at some point make the playoffs, but there were just too many things factoring in against them. Fair enough. I know. I, I I agree with you. I agree. So I'm gonna ask this: If uh, I see what you're saying with the home court, and I agree with you, but I'm gonna throw this out because we couldn't do anything about that. They really had no control over that. COVID kept them in Tampa. Fair enough. If the if they were if 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 this team is somewhat because no team is completely healthy, but if they didn't have the the breakdown of health that they had, would you do you still think that they'd be fighting to get into playoffs with the quality of what they had? I think I think they would have ended up roughly around the same spot. And when I say that, I mean they'd be fighting for a 7 Fair to enough. 11 spot. I That's think what, yeah. I still think they're in that four-spot range where mm-hmm. they're not going to be a great seed. If you look at the way the NBA playoffs are shaken out with the Nets and the Spurs, or sorry, the, uh, the Celtics and the Bucks, I mean the East is going to be formidable for anybody yep. with not very much star talent. And the Raptors... We love Kyle Lowry. We love Freddie. We love OG. We traded away Norm during the season. They lacked star power. And anytime the Raptors really lacked star power, we ran into issues in the playoffs. It was the one thing that kept us from getting over the hump. And this was just another reason to see that without Marcus All and Serge Ibaka, while we have guys like Chris Boucher and we had Terrence Davis, they were missing some key veteran leadership that took us to where we needed to go. I don't think it's all bad for the Raptors. They have Malachi Flynn. I think they're going to be okay. But now, and we've had this conversation with uh, with Anson Henry when we did the podcast, Nick Nurse is going to be under fire a little bit. Okay. His championship win 
which is now far enough in the past of a couple of years, is only going to get him so far. Now we are going to see what he is able to do with the squad that he has and see if it was what Dwayne Casey before uh, Nick Nurse did. Is it Masai who built this team? And Nick Nurse just happened to be like a coach that got them to where they need to go, but not really the guy who puts them over the top. The next two to three years is going to be extremely important for the Raptors and for Nick Nurse. What do you think about that? That's fair. Um, I don't think I don't think he's on the hot seat though. I think uh, he's proven enough to, to for us to overlook the record of the season. I think like, uh, you know, there's some things that were be beyond his control. And I think he has enough credit of what he's proven uh, with that championship year win. Um, and then following it up even last year with, yes, a first round exit in the playoffs, but for the most part, a successful coaching season for him where people weren't uh, on him for our, our failures last year. Right. Um, so this year, I mean, it's a one-off. Uh, next year, I guess we can keep an eye on it, but it's kind of hard. You get rid of someone like Nick Nurse. It's kind of like if you remove Nick Nurse, you have to make sure you're upgrading. And I don't know a lot of coaches out here right now who have the credit uh, at this moment to to move Nick Nurse. Like, you know, Brad Stevens is a perfect example. He's someone who was loved in Boston. You know, uh, this that Boston team is stacked with talent. And now with Brad Stevens, I'm hearing rumblings of people being unhappy with Brad Stevens. Um, I don't think we're there with Nick Nurse yet. I think there's a lot of time in between that now and getting to where they are with Brad Stevens. So if you don't make the second round of the NBA playoffs mm -hmm. three years in a row after winning the NBA championship, you know, let's say they don't make the playoffs at all next year. You know, at that point the way that the team is structured with, you know, losing some other guys, you know, Kyle Lowry's gone at the end of this season. You have a little bit of a young core. Do you think it's inconceivable that going into the 20, I guess, 2023 season or 2022, 2023 season, that Nick Nurse is not the coach of the Toronto Raptors if he misses the playoffs next season? I still don't think we're there yet. Okay. I, um, Maybe I'll double down. I don't see us not making the playoffs next year. Like I really okay. think, I, you know, I think this is kind of a one-off thing. If you know, we get in next season. It's a new slate every year. You know, I think there's enough in regards to talent. Like Fred VanVleet is proven. Gary Trent is proven. Uh, OG is proven. Uh, Boucher stepped up. Uh, like there's a lot of a lot of people in here. You notice I'm I'm I'm, I'm specifically not mentioning one person in particular. <laughs> I like it. I I was I was gonna ask you. I mean, what was once the darling and top MVP candidate post Kawhi Leonard? I mean, let's not forget. Can I say? Can we say pre bubble when you say that? Yeah, I was I was gonna okay, say okay, before okay. we got to the NBA bubble. Okay, he was in the conversation yeah. certainly across the U.S. networks, obviously yes. in, in Canada. Yep, but he was a top five. NBA MVP candidate and then the bubble happened and in baseball we call it you get the yips where you basically just forget how to play the sport altogether and Pascal Siakam has just never been the same since the NBA bubble sure he's shown glimpses of finding his stroke but realistically the NBA bubble broke Pascal 
Siakam. Is that a fair thing to say, or would you would you phrase it another way? No, I think you got it sp- spot on. I think the NBA it bubble it busted, the bubble <laughs> popped on Pascal Siakam. It's it, yeah, when the bubble busted, it, his career just like really he's a shade. Hmm. How do I say this without like sounding like rude and bitter? But like Pascal Siakam going into the bubble, uh, you know he's still unproven. But he had, like, yeah. see, I was talking about credit. He had a lot of credit. He went to the finals with Kawhi. He was a good uh, sidekick to Kawhi. Um, this was his first, lat- going, mind you, pre-bubble last year. His first year as being a franchise guy. Uh, we gave him, uh, just off what he did the year before, gave him that credit. He comes in that year, um, up into the bubble, looking promising. Like, I remember having discussions with people saying, you know, who's better, Jason Tatum or Pascal Siakam. I remember having those conversations pre-bubble. Like, that's where he was, you know? Yeah, um, I agree. And you hit a nail nail in the head. The bubble came in, you know? Reminds me a lot of Nick Anderson. The story of Nick Anderson. You guys know about the yeah. story. Let me read. Nick Anderson, um, solid NBA player back when he played for the Orlando Magic. I think it was the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, goes to shoot two free throws. And those free throws could have iced it to win the game. Misses the two free throws. And f- those were monumental misses that cost them moving forward. After that year, Nick Anderson, he was a shade of himself and he was out of the, the league in like two, three years after. Like, he, like sports is it, it meant, we, talk, we always focus on physical abilities, but the mental aspect is, is key. And uh, there's something that happened to Pascal mentally that I don't even know if we're something that we're privileged to. It might be something off the off the court. Who knows? But he's just he's you know that that fairy dust. It, it, it's gone. It is time to talk about below the waist grooming. It has never been easier to take care of your package, and thanks to Manscaped, they have all of the necessary tools for your family jewels. Let's be honest, the last 18 months have been tough on everyone, but as we begin to return to normalcy, it is time that we ensure that when we finally unveil ourselves, we are looking and feeling our absolute best. Nothing says I came to play like a clean cut workspace. Ladies, if you didn't receive the Mother's Day gift that you wanted, take control and get your man the tools to succeed so he can take care of your every need. With Father's Day just around the corner, Manscaped has got you covered with the best precision engineered tools. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team have perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever with the Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. If you're watching or listening to this right now, I want you to click the link in the description and experience it for yourself firsthand. That's why Manscaped is offering 20% off and free shipping when you use the code THEBIGO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. Just click the link in the description below and head over to manscaped.com. Make sure you use the code THEBIGO20. 
your balls will thank you. I listen, I couldn't agree more. And it actually mm-hmm. brings me to another topic I wanted to talk to you about. I, I didn't flip it to you in the notes because I completely forgot, which is Great. crazy. Um, you know, we talk about how quickly NBA or athletic careers can be over, whether it's mm-hmm. injury, whether it's, you know, case of Colin Kaepernick, the league just deciding that they're not going to have anything to do with you. We've seen over the last month or so, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the NFL try to get his way out of Green Bay. And so, you know, the NFL, the not for long league, as it is widely called, because, you know, running backs have a shelf life of maybe five years, quarterbacks 10, depending on what kind of quarterback you are. And it's a league where it's time to be selfish. It's time for you to get paid because they don't have guaranteed contracts. Aaron Rodgers has told the Green Bay Packers or allegedly has told the Green Bay Packers, I don't want to be here. I don't. And if I do stay, I want the GM gone. And we've seen these type of moves done by various athletes over the course of the career in any sport that you look at. You know, you've seen guys like Steve Francis refuse to play for Vancouver and decides that he wants to go play somewhere else. Eli Manning, draft day, gets drafted by the San Diego Chargers. He says, I'm never going to play there. He gets swapped for Drew Brees or uh, for Phillip Rivers. So we've seen this, but we haven't really seen a former MVP, current, sorry, current MVP, former Super Bowl winner say, listen, it's been nice, but Green Bay can't do it with you anymore. Deuces. I'd rather just go on the West Coast and host Jeopardy for the rest of my life because I make a damn good host taking over for the uh, former Alex Trebek. You know, what are your thoughts on what Aaron is doing out in Green Bay. Rogers. Um, so he's he's for his age. You mentioned earlier about the NFL being having short sh- shelf lives for players, and it's true. I mean, uh, but if you look at his, he's he's a seasoned veteran. Like uh, I'm not yep. sure the number. Do you know the number? How long? How many, how many years Aaron Rodgers has been around? I know he's 35, I think he's like 35 or 36. Right. He got drafted probably around 21. So we're right. talking like 15 years. Right. So he's actually at a point, he's like exceeded a lot of, uh, you know, typical QBs uh, for like at, in his mid thirties, it's about winding it down. Um, yeah. It's a unique situation for him opposed to say um, uh, Deshaun Watson, someone who's a young QB who's trying to force him way, his way out of Houston. Um, but he's in his prime. So you know that he's not, like, it's not just a, a, a ploy. Like Deshaun Watson literally wants, if he doesn't play in Houston, he, his goal is to play somewhere else. He may not play another snap of football ever again. Let's, 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 let's be very, I mean, so not you, to, you're, saying, you're saying no one's going to, no one's touching that you're saying. I'm saying, because I, I I didn't want to get into Deshaun Watson, but all <laughs> okay. I'll say about all I'll say about Deshaun Watson is he is in a very tough spot. Yes, and I don't think he has any control over what happens with his future. At one point he did, right. and now I think he has completely lost any control that he has had because yeah. he's found if he's found guilty, he's done. If he cops to a plea. Which is it probably going to happen. Which is likely going to happen. Right. It also 
shows a i mean it can be interpreted as guilt because you didn't want to go down that road i think there are very few positive options for deshaun watson outside of the cases being dropped and the way that this has got media speculation going in the states the fact that you know it took over the better part of a month with all of the the stuff and women coming out i think deshaun watson's in a tough spot i think he ultimately will end up on the commissioner's exemplist I don't think he'll play another snap really this year this year uh-huh. for the Houston Texans mm-hmm. until this is one of those cases he will never play football until his court battle is settled one way or another no team is going to trade for him the NFL will not afford to let him play football this is very reminiscent of the Adrian Peterson case from a few years ago when it came to the child abuse allegations right. and what happened with him for that year Deshaun Watson, tough, tough situation to be in. I don't like commenting only because I want to see what the facts are. Right. Because it's one of those things you get caught on the wrong side of it, and it's it's not good for you. And I, I always say innocent till proven guilty, but I need I need to see everything before I can formulate my thoughts. What are what are you know your quick thoughts on on Deshaun Watson's situation, and then let's double back to AA Ron. Right. Um. For Deshaun Watson, so I think the timing is, uh, not to be like conspiracy theorist, but I find uh, Deshaun Watson was on the cusp of doing something unheard of, like being yep. a young player, treating the NFL much the way. Uh, James Harden treated the the Rockets, and like basketball players just have this uh. Uh, the way they can move throughout their contracts that football players just don't. Ownership is, is they have all the power. Uh, he took on the power, and I find it kind of coincidental that here's someone who, if Deshaun Watson forces his way out of Houston, you're going to have a lot more NFL quarterbacks and running backs and receivers not being happy doing the same thing. I think he's an example. Uh, the one person who's looking to do something groundbreaking and then months later... Uh, speculation after speculation after speculation makes me think if he didn't want out of Houston, would we hear about these cases? I I've got my tinfoil hat on just the same way you do. This is what I was saying at the very beginning Uh because I thought I thought it was true. I thought you know, we'll bury things as long as you're playing with us. But the moment that someone decides they don't want to, well, oh all of a sudden hear all these things. The only reason that I'm skeptical about this is just because of the severity and seriousness of what those allegations are. Okay. It just makes me pause because we're in the era now with the me too movement that we have to take every issue, every alleged allegation of things seriously, because we've seen what happens when you don't take it seriously. We see what happens if you, make judgment before facts come out it can end it's ended people's careers people have gone on and said hey listen deshaun watson is is you know innocent yada 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 these women are all up for this that and the other and then it turns out to go the other way and that person's canceled forever we're in like the heat of cancel culture and i think it's only fair you know we always say you know facts need to come out in court not the court of public opinion and I think there's still so much of the story to be told on both sides that, unfortunately, I think his career is completely tied up with what happens in the courts. And as you said, he's definitely going to be made an example of to prevent 
you know, quarterbacks like, uh, I don't know, uh, what's Lamar Jackson, maybe, maybe not the same star quality, but um, Dak Prescott or some of these up and coming quarterbacks to say, hey, listen, enjoy what we've given you and don't bite the hand that feeds you. And I think that's really what it comes down to. So all I'm asking for is consistency. Um, And keeping that same energy, because I just want to know where this energy was when the same type of allegations were against Ben Roethlisberger. Let's not forget. Or how about even Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning had an allegation, yes, with uh, uh, from college of his uh, uh, female physiotherapist. Oh, okay. Tennessee. Okay. Yes. that, That was haunting him through his career. Where was that energy for these quarterbacks? But now all of a sudden with Deshaun Watson, you know, like, I, I'm, trust me, I, it may sound like I'm defending Deshaun. I'm not. But what I am saying is um, I'm seeing a lot of inconsistencies that I don't like. Right. And, and listen, and that's fair. I mean, the Ben Roethlisberger point is, you know, spot on. Um, I The only thing I would say, and again, this is not a defense, but it is more of like a fact. I, I Get very careful when it comes to these topics. (laughs) But it really is a different era. If you look, like if you were to look at it right now, and Ben Roethlisberger had all of these allegations come out, you're going to see things, you know, treated in a different way than than when it was back in the day. Mm -hmm. Because even though it was like 10 years ago, that's still another era before the Me Too movement even happened. Before players were being held to the certain standard of, of the commissioner putting them on the exempt list and going through all of these things. I mean, Antonio Brown's a great example as well. Again, maybe because he's a little long in the tooth, he's not being held to the same standard that Deshaun Watson is being held accountable to now. But I mean, right. he lost out on playing games in the NFL and it was only because Tom Brady decided, Hey, Bill Belichick, let's sign this guy. Let's mm-hmm. scare the shit out of the league and let's go win a championship. And, you know, he plays one game, then gets cut, and then wins the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay <laughs> last year. Tampa um, Bay. Tom, I mean, Tampa, Tampa, <laughs> Bay is, Tampa Bay is real. Um, I don't know. I just feel like – I feel like this John Watson is, is going to be – as you said, it's going to be the example. We're going to see what ends up happening with yeah. him, and it's going to set precedent the same way Patrick Mahomes set precedent with his huge contract. Mm-hmm. We're going to see Deshaun Watson – and his football career be determined by what happens in the court of law. Now for A.A. Ron, is it okay for him to be wanting out of Green Bay the way that he has proceeded? I mean, if you look at every draft since he was drafted by Green Bay, they've taken one offensive player in the first round, and that was the backup quarterback, uh, Mr. Love, who they took last year. Outside of that, always been defense, never been offense. Is it fair to say that Green Bay has not done what they needed to do in order to elevate Aaron Rodgers to a championship caliber consistently? Yes. I Even if you live in Green Bay, Wisconsin right now, I'm, like regardless of where you sit on this, everyone agrees that Green Bay could have done better by Aaron Rodgers. I don't know anyone who's saying like, oh, no, like the manage like – Aaron Rodgers, he's proven, right? Um, just the fact that he's coming out and doing this at his age, I, I, like I said, said earlier, that's one of two things. He can retire at this age. If he retired in his mid-30s, there'd be no problem. Like, he, it's about his time. Um, but he'd be retiring while he's still active and, and useful. Um, so if it comes down to retiring or going elsewhere, uh, 
actually Nellie J had mentioned this to me, actually. She had said she thinks that he could do a gronk, meaning okay. re retire. And then when he's retired, unretire and come back. So I love Nellie J, <laughs> but, but we're talking apples and oranges. And the reason I say this, right. Gronk had like a long history of like injuries. If you look at like the physical toll football has taken on him, mm -hmm. it was way different. He was constantly getting hit on the line of scrimmage, heavy impact, shoulder, back, knee. Like the guy tore it all and been beat up. And I think even getting, I think it was like a fifth round pick in the trade from uh, New England to Tampa Bay, you know, you realize he was never going to play for you. The bigger difference is that this guy just won the MVP for last season. He's proven that he is still among the top five quarterbacks in the league. Right. He may arguably be like number three as far as most talented quarterbacks ever. Ever. As far as yeah. of gifts. You know, right. he's just a specimen. So I don't know so I how how you're going to do that with and have him be traded for like a fifth round pick or not get the value that you need from a guy who can easily take a team to the Super Bowl Let or me ask playoffs you next year. Is it possible that he could retire and then unretire himself? He could, but I mean, if, if he unretires, mm -hmm. he is still under contract with the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. If he retires, he's going to owe them $30 million, I think. Over the That's two hefty. years. That's hefty. Over the two years. But right. he's going to be ineligible to come back. And gotcha. Green Bay will continue to own his rights. Gotcha. I mean, he's made a ton of money. And, I mean, who knows with endorsements, if if the game of football for him is about money. I mean, it's rumored that one of the things he wanted was a guaranteed contract or a longer-term contract right. for some stability. But he could go host Jeopardy. <laughs> like, he could get a Tony Romo-esque job. He is so talented. Mm -hmm. He is funny. He is, he could start a podcast. He could do like a YouTube show. He can basically do whatever he wants. Right. And so I don't think he'll be pressured to come back unless there is something that he gets out of it that he thinks is worth his while. Fair enough. So I'm going to throw it to you, Ren. Do you think uh, he's going to be in a Green Bay Packers uniform start of the NFL season? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, okay, I'll answer this two ways. Do I want him to be in a Green Bay uniform next year? No. Um, and it's not because I don't want him in the NFC. I want the player to win. Because in the NFL, the owners hold so much of the ammunition. They hold all the cards. No yep. guaranteed contracts can cut you without notice. And you're in a world of trouble. I want to see a guy like Aaron Rodgers, winning the MVP and say, listen, I'll retire. I'll go the Andrew Luck way. I'll take my money. I'll take whatever. Good luck with Jordan Love. Good luck with no offensive weapons. Good luck with having another terrible draft. And good luck trying to explain to your faithful team that you let one of the greatest quarterbacks to go for nothing. That's what I want to see. Mm. Do I think he'll be in Green Bay next year? Yes. I mean, <laughs> if, he wasn't, if he wasn't traded by the draft or on draft night, I think it would have become harder to make a move work. A lot of capital when it comes to draft picks. It is still rumored that the Denver Broncos are the favored team to land him in a trade and that they have been going back and forth over the last couple of weeks since the draft to try to make it work. Does he make Denver a Super Bowl caliber team? I don't think so. Um, 
but you know maybe he wants to go and play for John Elway and 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 try to win a championship there, mm. a la Peyton Manning. Um, what do you think with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay next year? Aaron Rodgers playing in the NFL on another team. Aaron Rodgers as our host of Jeopardy. Um, so Jeopardy, no. Um, but uh, okay. Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay uniform, yes. But a, another option which I don't understand is if I was if I was Green Bay, I like I'd let Aaron Rodgers go. Um, really. No, no, like, okay, the guy, he's MVP caliber. Um, in regards to negotiation, if you put Aaron Rodgers on the market, you're going to get a pretty penny for what he has. You know what I'm saying? Like, right now, if any other, like, there's, you're going to get a lot of feelers. And in regards to negotiations, you can really milk the situation and build for the future. Cause if you think about Aaron Rodgers, how many years do you have left of Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I guess it depends on the team you go, but if you, if you look at a team that's going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. they're going to give you first round draft picks. You're going to be picking 25 to 30 in each of those draft years. Like you're not going to get a, a top 10 pick from any team that's trading for Aaron Rodgers. Plus if you're a team that's trading for Aaron Rodgers and you're giving up picks, you're likely giving back, at least two starting players. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're giving up all of these things and it's going to take away from the team that you're now bringing Aaron Rodgers in to fix or to take you to the next level, I think it hurts you. So I think it actually scares away some of the better teams. Now, you might get a team that's been third place in their division, New York Jets, that'll give you a pick that if they're still trash, it could be something good. But is Aaron Rodgers going to want to go and play for the New York Jets? No. Is he going to want to go and play for... The Detroit Lions. Is he going to want to go and play for um, the Tennessee Titans? Probably not. Like these are probably all teams that are, he's not going to want to play for. And I guarantee he'll make that known that if I'm not going to one of these five teams, I will retire, and that will also scare players away. Fair enough. Fair. Well, speaking on, you know, player potentially changing locations. Another hot topic that recently came out was Major League Baseball has told the Oakland A's it's time to start looking for a new home in the event you cannot reach a deal with the city of Oakland. Now, Fox Sports analyst, uh, MLB analyst Ben Verlander, yes, the brother of Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros, uh, came out with an article a few weeks ago and suggested five cities that... MLB could look to expand to first I'm going to give you these five names I want you to say of these five places where do you think is the most likely relocation if they're going to move and then whether or not you think that they will actually move so coming in number five Portland Oregon okay that is the number one spot or number five spot Um, they actually already have a group right now in the Pacific Northwest that is looking to bring a major league team in there it actually makes sense for the West Coast teams when it comes to travel, helping out the Seattle Mariners. There is a strong baseball presence in Oregon. Could also lead to shifting around of divisions and making it a little bit whole. Um, number four, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, they have, they've had a AAA team there for years. Uh, the Charlotte Knights, which is a AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. So again, we already have that built in. Number three, the obvious sexy choice, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hockey team, football team. 
baseball team, soon to be NBA team. It makes a lot of sense for a lot of the reasons why other teams have moved there. Um, Montreal, Canada, bring them back to the big M uh, because the way that they were done was pretty dirty. And then finally, number one on the list, Nashville, Tennessee. I believe you have spoken about this, or we have definitely talked about this. Um, they've had a AAA team. They actually have a current group right now looking to bring the Nashville Stars, a throwback and homage to the Negro Leagues back in the day, uh, I think from the 30s to the 50s, spearheaded by Justin Timberlake. Of those five cities, where do you think would be the best place for Major League Baseball to relocate? And then do you think that the Oakland A's will relocate? Hmm. Oakland A's, that's a franchise that's been around for as long as I can remember in Oakland. Yeah. Um, wow. Them moving. So I do have a question in regards to Nashville. I thought Nashville was pretty much a done deal. Like, I thought they were already going to Nashville. So they, there could be no done deal because they haven't, they've talked about expansion but they haven't really flirted with it if there's anything that's going to stand in the way of expansion it was definitely COVID 19. Mm -hmm. it definitely was the thing that put a lot of leagues in check they have a group now getting a group and getting the funding for a stadium is just one part of the pie right right but unless baseball is looking to expand and they'll probably look to expand by one or three teams to just make an even number you have to have viable spots or you have to have teams that are failing in the cities that they are the Oakland A's one team, the Tampa Bay Rays is another team. There are a bunch of teams that could get relocated. Securing a bid is great, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And I don't think Nashville has been guaranteed. They've just been in the midst of putting in the work and bringing in a lot of investors in order to make it happen. So, I mean, it's probably one of the top spots, mm -hmm. if not the top spot, right. but as far as the certainty goes, it's not there yet. Okay, so I'm going with... If it's gonna, if there's gonna be any one of these uh, cities, it's gonna be Nashville, I think. Okay. I think Nashville, not only like Nashville, Tennessee. It's uh, before in Tennessee, they didn't really have much profession. They had like the Titans in the, in the NFL. Uh, yep. Hockey, they have the Predators. Okay. You know, uh, but it's Nashville. Like Tennessee itself does not seem like a real hot spot for sports. They just recently got the MLS team. Yep. So Nashville, it's like I said, it's a hot spot. Nashville seems like uh, having a baseball team, it would be a fit. Um, so that's my, that's why I think the number one is. Um, if not Nashville, the hottest team on here has got to be Vegas. Of course, like sexiest put, team by far. Come on, you put anything in Vegas, it's it's going to be a winner. I mean, it's funny you use the word winner because obviously, you know, everyone's going to Vegas to try to win. Right. Um, and I think, listen, I think very few teams want to be the first unless you have real balls, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's hard because with Vegas, there are so many things that you have to work around. Like how are, you're not going to have a regular season ticket fan base. You're going to have a lot right. of hotels that buy season tickets and use it as comps, right? Mm -hmm. As for your one night stay here, also enjoy a hockey game on us or a basketball game or a football game or whatever these things are. And it's a it's it's one way to draw, but you're not going to get the consistency that you are hoping for. I mean, people might drive out for the the Las Vegas Raiders football game, maybe from Oakland or or the the L.A. area or maybe even Bakersfield. But to get consistent numbers in there, it's going to be tough as far as a fan base goes. 
once one team gets in there and proves the model works, everyone's going to go. It is, I would say, within the next 10 years, they will have every major sports team. It makes sense. Yeah. Sports gambling is getting legalized in state, state, and state, and state, and state. It makes a whole lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense for for tourism. But again, the major caveat here with COVID-19 you don't have people coming to shows. You don't have the same draw that you once did. You may get there again, but it's going to take a little bit of time before you get back to the way business was. Sexiest team, it's Vegas. If I was a betting man, I would put Vegas in there. I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be Nashville if it moves, but I don't think Oakland's going anywhere. I think that mm. team, as you said, for the longest time, all you know is Oakland A's. I think this is a great ploy. The Warriors got their new stadium in San Francisco. I think the A's will get their new uh, waterfront property in Oakland. The, if you're but, Oakland, you can't let your football team and your baseball team go. It just doesn't make any sense. And also, okay, and your basketball team also, because as you mentioned, yes. the Warriors went out. So watch the dynamic now. If Oakland, you say, to keep them, mind you, Oakland People are leaving Oakland. See, I was mentioning how people, are, uh, teams are going to Nashville. Yeah, Oakland is an exit strategy. Like Oakland, that's an old, it's an old regime. People don't want to be there in regards to organizations. They're going over to San Francisco. Like, like the Golden State Warriors used to be in Oakland. Now they're in San Francisco. For baseball, it would make sense. Well, you know what? They're in Oakland. Send them over to San Francisco. Problem is San Francisco's got the Giants already. That's right. So if you're baseball and you're in Oakland, it's either build it in Oakland, which is deteriorating. Like it's, it's, it's value is, is, you know, it's dropping. You got Oakland's gone. Like how do you hold on to the team? If you're in Oakland, man, if friend of the show, Jessica Kleinschmidt is listening. She is not happy as the sports reporter, but uh, I mean, for me, I think there's just a nostalgia for Oakland. I think, you know, you got Moneyball the movie, which really highlighted the sabermetrics and analytics of, you know, founding a baseball yeah. back in the early 2000s. I think they still have a great team. I still think that they have a great fan base. I, I honestly, I in my heart of hearts, I think they, they find a way to make this deal works because the Oakland Raiders had a good fan base. Um, the, oh, the, the, Warriors had a fan base once Steph Curry got there. But if you look at the real heart and soul of Oakland, it's the baseball team. Because the Raiders went from LA back to Oakland to the LA back to Oakland. The Oakland A's are the heart and soul. And if they were to lose this, they would be in serious, serious trouble. Mm -hmm. And those fans don't displace into other markets. They just lose out on that entire fan base that once supported this team in the grossest and crappiest of stadiums they still show up to watch them play and this is why i think after all of the things that they've lost even though everyone is exiting oakland like it has the plague i think the oakland a's end up staying in oakland and find a way to to make it work in a new stadium okay but in a new stadium that's going to make mean more money pumped into uh, uh, a depreciated property value you know what i'm saying like i got you i I, I, you you are right. Oakland, if you're Oakland, the A's are the staple franchise. But the writing's on the wall. If everyone else is leaving and your only option is to pump more money in, like, let's be real. 
in that area, Oakland is seen as a hood and San Francisco is seen as the suburbs. And it's up and coming. Up and coming. You know what I'm saying? Oakland's old. San Francisco's new. To think that they're going to pump the amount to build a new stadium into Oakland, California, just does not seem probable to me. Sorry. I mean, again, you just look at the history. Yeah. 1968, they've been playing in Oakland. I mean, yeah. it's, again, I totally, I totally get it. I totally get it. It makes sense for them to relocate somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Right. Um, I mean, there is a project that has been put out there, the Howard Terminal Project, which privately funded will put in a billion dollars. So if you're not going to the government, I think that helps. I think that helps. I think there's a plan that makes it work. Whether it works, I don't know, but I think that there's something that they find a way to make it happen. I th- that's just my thoughts. No, no, that's fair enough. It might be a Band-Aid, though. I think that you got to stop the bleeding, stitch it up, and move, keep it moving. Oh, speaking of stitching it up and keeping it moving, um, Jake Paul. Oh, yes. I, I've had arguments with, with people, friends, and we've talked about you know, publicity. Any publicity is good publicity. That's like the old, the old saying. Mm-hmm. And what Jake Paul is is doing, you know, which we've seen, I think he's done three fights, two notable fights against former athletes, mixed martial artists, Nate Robinson, Ben Askren. Um, We've seen him, you know, make a mockery of those two opponents. And he, you can tell, is taking it very seriously. And for that, I, I, I take no credit away from him. I give him all the credit. He's waking up every day. He's been boxing every day for like two years. He is taking this seriously. However, he is creating a circus around the sport of boxing. Mm-hmm. So while his pursuit of doing something is really good for the sport, his antics take away from that. And, you know, we just had Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul square off in front of each other as they have a June 16th date to fight in Florida. I got your hat. And I got you hat. Jake, Jake Paul, being the YouTube brat that he is, decided that he wanted to mix things up with Floyd Mayweather. And as you said, got his hat. I got your hat. Oh, my God. People say it was this fake. Was it real? It looked very real. I don't think it was okay. fake. But but my thing is, someone could have gotten really hurt. And this is like a la Conor McGregor. Habib post UFC whatever it was where there was like a melee Mm -hmm. and leading up to it there was like a a trolley thrown at a bus like I don't know if that's I mean it's great for promoting fights but I don't think it's good for the sport Jake Paul's not even fighting it's not even about him right it's it's his brother Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather and they're talking about them fighting afterwards I think there's so much to celebrate right now with Mike Tyson doing what he did at 50 plus years old, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury finally getting ready to square off and, and do a back to back fights against each other that I don't think the sport of boxing gets rejuvenated by young TikTokers and YouTube fans tuning in because Jake Paul is stirring it up with Floyd Mayweather. I don't think it's doing it any good. What What do you think? Am I wrong here? No, I, I, I mean, I think it's doing it any good. You make a fair point. Uh, so remember uh, Tyson and the celebrity match Tyson had Tyson and um, Roy Jones. Yes. 
So around that time, I remember having that kind of that same discussion. Like, do matches like this, like there's they're supposed to like um, before I even get to this, let me say this. So there's UFC and there's boxing. You, in regards to popularity, like times have changed. Hold on, let me let me stop you there. Oh no, my my, my MMA. Sorry, my there is boxing and there's MMA. MMA. Sorry, my apologies. My apologies, much. <laughs> right, because uh, yes. Uh, UFC is uh, a brand of MMA, much like Bellator. And I do understand that. That's fine. There that's we fine. go. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so there's MMA and boxing. MMA proves to be more popular than boxing right now. For the last 10 years, I would say. Fair enough. Like in today's climate, yeah. MMA is, and I'll revert, revert actually back to UFC because no one's really talking about Bellator. Right. You have to really understand the sport to even mention Bellator. A lot of people, casuals out there, they know UFC. They don't know Bellator. Right. Okay. Um, but boxing, it's it's like uh, it's like mining. Like there's a lot of quality fights out there, but you really have to be in the loop to understand what the key fights are. Um, mainly because uh, UFC is just doing. Sorry, I'll, MMA. UFC is imagine that just the fact that we're mentioning UFC like it's a league like NBA NHL MLB yeah like that goes to speak to its branding with boxing you have the WBO you have the WBA you have the IBF you have like all these different alphabet soup you know uh, titles out there that they're not really doing a great job of branding their product so I want to salute UFC even though I am a boxing guy I do recognize that UFC is a much more appealing product to the casual. I mean, the I, I, we're, we're talking marketing here. Mm -hmm. The UFC has marketed themselves better than anybody else. Yes. They were the first sport to return during the pandemic. They moved across the world to make it happen. That's right. They opened up in hot spots in the United States where they could. Vegas, Florida just recently sold out Jacksonville for a huge fight between Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Um, they're continuing to move to Vegas in this, in, uh, in June or July and they're selling out there too. The UFC has done a brilliant job of matchmaking and marketing. And the problem that the boxing, that boxing has is they have too many titles, too many weight classes and not enough exposure. And part of that is because you'll hear about Deontay Wilder after he's 35 and 0 with 34 knockouts, but you've never heard of him with 34 fights before. Why? Because they're fighting like bean cans. They're fighting canned food. They're fighting nobody. They're fighting a punching bag that they're just putting out there to inflate that record and say, oh, okay, let's, you know, this guy's 30, you know, this guy's 35, you know, now let's make him fight. Mm -hmm. And Tyson Fury exposed that in the second match against Deontay Wilder. How many people know that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury are fighting in back-to-back -back fights? Not very many people. We may know because we're not as casual with boxing or mixed martial arts or any of those things. We're pretty heavily invested in it. But the fact that casuals don't know that that's going on, but they know that come June 24th, there's a YouTuber versus TikTok boxing fight that's going on right. is exactly the problem that boxing has. They can market a farce, but they can't market real champions for more than just the casual fan to buy. And I think it's the reason why boxing is going down. Mm -hmm. 
after the Triller episode and seeing Oscar De La Hoya on like every single drug <laughs> imaginable, <laughs> talk about his comeback after seeing Mike Tyson. It's uh, it's a scary thing, and it doesn't make me feel good about where boxing, the sport, is going. You make a great point. I want to double down on what you mentioned about boxing and ability to, to market itself properly. Um, Canelo Alvarez just fought last weekend against Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, yep. They fought in Dallas Stadium. They fought in front of 72,000 people. 72,000 yep. people packed Dallas Stadium. Uh, if you're a boxing, if you follow boxing, like I watched that fight, 72,000 other people watched it, but it didn't circulate outside of boxing circles to think, hey, Canelo Alvarez is pound for pound the best boxer on the planet. And in his weight class fought Billy Joe Saunders, who was undefeated. And in that weight class, one of the top, like that was a monster match. And nobody cared like that. That was post, uh, post uh, pandemic. So since the, since the reopening of, uh, of sports, that 72,000 was the largest crowd that they've had since we've opened things back up the third largest at 72,000 people still don't know you asked any there's a fight last weekend no one knows about it again we're talking marketing because canelo alvarez signed a major deal with dizon yes and if you don't know what a streaming company like dizon is doing you're going to miss out and this is what the ufc does beautifully the ufc has their station they have their partnership with espn you know that every other Saturday you can find a fight either live or on pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. There's so much in the market of sports with how many times they're putting out amazing content with great fighters weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend that they just know. Saturday night, you can just assume that there is a UFC fight going on mm -hmm. and it's going to be spectacular. I mean, we just saw Michelle Watterson fought on the last UFC uh, main event didn't come away with the W, but man, that was a barn burner. The three title fights at UFC, I don't know, 260, whatever it was, Usman, Masvidal, Shevchenko, um, Andraj, uh, Rose Namajunas versus Weili Zhang. Bangers after bangers after bangers. That's what you can count on for the UFC. In boxing, you have to look forward to Jake Paul fighting against some retired MMA fighter. And you're going to have more eyes than that than you will on Tyson Fury, fighting um anthony joshua and it's a travesty for the sport of boxing yeah boxing well if you look at the history of boxing though it's always the weigh-ins that there's always it's always been about showmanship because boxing is really it's a it's a mano a mano one-on-one -on -one. and uh you know boxers much like wrestlers they they have to market themselves you know what i'm saying it, it is yeah it's a business, it's sport and it's and sports and entertainment at its finest. So I understand even what they, that little prank they pulled with, I got your hat, which is what <laughs> it was great for marketing though. I'm not like, I'm yeah, but is it, is it going to sell more fights? Cause I don't think it is. If it was between like Floyd and, and Logan Paul, maybe, but like Jake's not even fighting, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, I, I think that's, Again, are more people tuning in because they like the ha-ha of it all? Or are they tuning in because, like, oh, we can't wait for the guy's brother to fight Floyd Mayweather, who's, like, retired. He's got, like, a full lineup now, a hair that we've never <laughs> yeah. seen before in his life. 
Like, I, I, I don't know if that's bringing in more eyes to buy a fight than it would be any other time. So, full disclosure, I did not know that the I got your hat guy wasn't the guy he was fighting. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know the difference between the two. If you, if I saw a picture of the two of them, I couldn't point out one and say you're Jake and you're Logan. To me, they're just, just they're the same. So um, now that you brought that to light, that that wasn't the guy he's fighting, it makes me really reevaluate the situation because I didn't know, right? The most amazing thing is that the 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 Paul brothers. You have one really good guy that's been trying to walk back his major misstep on YouTube, who's really like a good guy. Okay. Who's like a baby. If we're talking wrestling, he's babyface. And then you have the younger brother who was the Nickelodeon star growing up, who's on Disney TV, who's now the heel, tatted up, gotcha hat, tattooed, black eye, all of these things. Uh, it's just, it's a very interesting contrast that the two have with each other. But again, if it was Logan doing those things, I, th I would look at it a little bit different, but it's Jake Paul who's like not even fighting at all. Now, I want to quickly transition. Last thing I want to talk to you about, uh, breaking today. Uh, so by the time this airs, it'll be a couple of days, but um, Forbes just released its highest paid athletes uh, over the last year. Yeah. Um, you might be surprised that the NBA had two players you know who those two players are take a guess ice paid i know uh, lebron james is one lumber uh, lebron james number five ah! oh, wow. okay next one's number 10 any idea who that might be uh the highest paid uh steph nope kevin durant katie okay. number 10 75 million dollars tom brady comes in at number nine lewis hamilton number eight roger federer number seven neymar number six mm. Uh, Dak Prescott, number four, Ronaldo, number three, Messi, number two. Do you know who number one is? Did you say Roger Federer already? I did. He was, I believe he was number seven. No, I, oh, give me a sport. Give me a sport. Mixed martial arts. Conor McGregor. Conor Notorious McGregor, <laughs> no, that would be the right. notorious, coming in at a whopping one hundred and eighty million dollars, and I think I know why. It has not so much to do with what he did in the ring, but outside the ring with that whiskey he has. It's a combination of both. Okay. I mean, he had two. Well, he had one fight during during that time. He fought uh, Dustin Poirier. Uh, previous to that, he had fought Donald Cerrone, but he gets paid a, quite a bit of money when it comes to you know. The I think USC. the whiskey deal he, was bigger than he any deal he got. That he he yeah he started this whiskey deal or this whiskey brand and has grown it into a billion dollar business. He actually yeah. I'm pretty sure just stole like twenty percent stock or whatever and made like a ton of, ton of money on right, it. Right. But I think that it's very interesting that within like the last ten years, this guy was collecting. Um, welfare in Ireland. Wow. Cashing checks, barely had enough money for himself. And within like 10 years as the owner or creator of proper 12 whiskey and Forbes, number one highest paid athlete. As much as people want to hate on Conor McGregor, obviously big fan, love Notorious, looking forward to his fight with Dustin Poirier for the trilogy. He is the UFC's cash cow. He is what they wanted from Ronda Rousey. 
even with a loss, Conor McGregor is still the top draw of the UFC mm-hmm. with everything that's going on. He could fight once or twice a year and it's not even going to matter. He's still the cash cow. You know, what do you what do you think that, you know, for the first time, I believe that the UFC or mixed martial arts has the highest paid athlete, uh, according to Forbes? Well, one didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it speaks to what we mentioned before, just about the UFC, just in regards to the come up. Uh, you mentioned the last 10 years, it's been more than boxing and um, yeah, that's, that's huge for the sport to, to see that you have the, the number one. Uh, now let me, okay. Real quick. I have to ask this though. He's the number one, right? Yep. Obviously him losing cause he's coming off of two losses. Is he not? He you know better than me. I'm a boxing guy. You're more of a uh, Donald Cerrone won in January. Okay, and lost and, against Dustin Poirier in the summertime. Okay, and what about Habib? Habib was before Donald Cerrone. So so he's lost two out of the last three fights. Okay, okay. so I'm just so it's 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 nice to see that he can maintain that top position and still lose because usually people like winners, right? Sure. So this fact that he's still losing and he's still maintaining and his brand is not tarnished, salute to Conor McGregor. You know, you know what I find interesting? The last thing I want to say on this. Mm-hmm. Um, no boxer in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And I think this really speaks to, if you look at the sports that are on this list of, of athletes, mixed martial arts has number one, more importantly, the UFC. Why? Because the UFC stayed active during that time. Great marketing. Great extracurriculars. The NBA's got players. The NFL's got players. Roger Federer, just because, I mean, yeah, well. I'm pretty sure he doesn't need to play and he'd still get checks that keeps him in the top 10 forever. Right. Uh, Neymar, so soccer you got on here. I think Dak Prescott's probably yeah. the most interesting one for me. because he's, he's the one that, you know, one of these friends is doing his own things. Like, uh, one is doesn't belong. Like, he doesn't seem like he belongs in yeah. this conversation. Well, he got hurt, right? Like, he got hurt. Well, and didn't have not, a contract. It, he just signed a new contract. Healthy, I still don't. I'm healthy, I just don't see him as like a top. It, it might, he's getting the money. I just don't know if he deserves that kind of money. Would you? Is yeah. him say he's the best at his position? Uh, he's definitely not the best at his position. <laughs> and uh, there was definitely a funny, funny meme that came out. The the opening game of the NFL season was just released. Tampa Bay will be opening their back to back championship run against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Tampa Bay starting 1-0 because the Cowboys are trash, yeah, and I can't stand them. Right. But listen, the, that's it, it's interesting. I love the fact that Conor McGregor's up there. I love the fact that it's MMA. I think it's a perfect encapsulation of what the last 365 days have taught us with sports and returning. No NHL player on there, also very interesting. Good but point. NHL players aren't in the highest paid, but this also takes into consideration endorsements. So it's very interesting to see guys without guaranteed contracts, like Tom Brady without like Dak Prescott still find their way in the top 10, because it means they're doing so many other things around them. It's good for, for them as athletes, but we want to see some more diversity on this list. Uh, I will say um, one, two, three, uh, four athletes on here. Not white. Four out of five. Five. Five, five actually. 50% of this list, non-white athletes. That, to me, I like to see. Mm-hmm. 
good point very very interesting now Fahim, listen you've been a great guest obviously i love talking with you um but if people want to hear more from you more from your co-host nelly J, uh tell us a little bit about the good rookies podcast and where we can find it and what we can expect when giving it a listen all right good rookies podcast it's a sports culture podcast uh talking about different topics uh you can find us on spotify youtube we drop every tuesday we call it good tuesdays uh about 45 minutes of just giving our opinions on sports, culture. Uh, my host or co-host, Nellie J, a very opinionated, very strong black woman. <laughs> and uh, we play off each other pretty well. And I think we'd be a good, good listen once a week. Check us out, Good Rookies Podcast. Excellent. And if you want to hear more and see more of Fahim, hopefully he'll be, you know, joining NBA TV for some more barbershop style segments in the near future once that gets back up and running. But make sure you do check out the Good Rookies podcast, uh, as well as the Big O podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts with full videos and full episodes available on YouTube. So make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. For my guest, Fahim, the dream, Francis, I'm Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. See you next time.